This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. everyone, this is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network, and my guest today is Paul Thorstenson. Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. So, I'm guessing many, if not almost all of my listeners are not familiar with Paul, though, actually I shouldn't say that. I do have a lot of uh, friends that are punks, old school hardcore that are into meditation and Buddhism or just not and like this podcast. So some of you might know Paul, um, but if you are familiar with punk and hardcore, um, then you probably do. That said, let me tell you a little bit about Paul before we jump into this conversation. Paul Thorstenson has been toiling in relative obscurity since 1991 as the vocalist for metallic hardcore band Dissolve. In addition to Dissolve, Paul has been the vocalist for Devil May Care, Withdrawn, Through Blood Reborn, Sensory Deception, Occult Knife, Secret Fangs, and a bunch of other projects. Paul's vocals consist mostly of yelling and screaming, and his voice has been compared to a pig in pain and a chihuahua being run over by a lawnmower. Over the years, he has incorporated synthesizers, noise, sound effects, and vocal treatment to his M.O. with mixed results. Paul's lyrics make more sense to other people than they do to him. In his spare time, Paul raises his two kids with his wife in Poughkeepsie, New York, and also has a job. So, Paul, thank you again, man. I love that's probably one of my uh, favorite bios I've gotten to read of any of my guests. So thanks for providing us with a fun start to this conversation. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. It's really very hard to, you know, talk about yourself. So, um, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> fortunately for me, when my first book came out, like I had help writing the bio because I hate talking about myself, um, though. That is the line of work I've kind of fallen into, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, I just actually had to recently change my bio because it sounded way too like formal, and I'm like, that's not me. So um, yeah. But, but even changing it in a playful way, it was it's more of a self kind of deprecating bio now, but it's truth, yeah. more truthful to who I am. So I hear you. Like when I get introduced on interviews or uh, at workshops or wherever, I always feel so weird because. It sounds like, you know, I'm this accomplished person. And then it's like, you know, right now I'm looking around my apartment and dude, if you walked in here, you would never in a million years guess that there's a quote unquote spiritual author or, you know, teacher that lives here because 
it looks like fucking it's a mix of you know hardcore flyers and you know horror movie posters and horror <laughs> figures and toys and skateboards and I'm a big kid so anyways <laughs> did I just say I don't like to talk about myself um <laughs> so Paul let's for for listeners I you know dissolve is the way I found my way to you um mm-hmm. I have been a fan since as far back as I can remember um before we get into that part of um how I came to know you the way I typically like to start my show is have our guests Tell us a bit about themselves and what led them to where they are today. I leave that up to you, whether you want to talk a little bit starting about your childhood into teenage years or, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, when when you found music, what pulled you to music, what pulled you to hardcore, really whatever direction you want to go with that. And then uh, from there, we'll talk about Dissolve and all sorts of other fun stuff. Sure. Sounds good. Well, uh, I was raised... Uh by a couple of fairly artistic people. My father is a musician. He's a guitar player. Mm-hmm. My mother, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and my mother was uh, my mother was a photographer and uh, oil painter. Well, you know, really just a, a lot of different uh, mediums that she worked in. So I guess I was always kind of around, uh, you know, the artsy fartsy uh, lifestyle. So. Um, I guess uh, when I got older, I discovered heavy music probably when I was about 11 or 12. Um, there was a guy that moved up from Florida that turned me on to Iron Maiden and Ronnie James Dio and, uh, you know, you know, the gods. The gods, right, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I also like right. It's funny, but really right around the same time, I discovered rap music yes. because there was there was a guy I didn't even know uh, who he was. I still don't know who he is. I never introduced myself to him. But um, back when I was uh, really young, um, people used to bring uh, boom boxes to school and yeah. play music on the bus. Um, now everybody has headphones and they all listen to their own music. It's kind of too bad because. Yeah. I got turned on to a lot of interesting stuff because of people bringing boom boxes onto the bus. And one of the things was rap music where there was this guy I was living out uh, in cow country and this guy was a transplant, obviously. Right. I, mean, I don't know the guy, but he was obviously a transplant from somewhere much more urban. Like, you know, he had he had, you know, the the, the custom made shirts with the iron on playboy bunnies and stuff like that. Okay. Like he was he's a B-boy. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah. So. um I heard so I heard that music at the same time, and it wasn't really for a few years later that I heard um, hardcore. Yeah, uh, I think I think when I was about fifteen, I discovered that, and that was because this guy that I knew in school, who um, I was friends with, and it was kind of an unlikely friendship. He was kind of like a jock guy. I think yeah. he was on the fo- football team, soccer team, but for some reason, he he liked me. You know. Um, we were in classes together and one day he showed up to school with like, you know, his head shaved and he had combat boots on and he, you know, he's totally different person than he was the day before. And he's yeah. like, I'm it. I'm into hardcore punk now, man. You know, so he had this mixtape that he borrowed from probably the only punk rock person in the school. This girl, I remember Samantha, I had a big crush on her, but yeah. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, but, uh, he let me borrow the tape. I never gave it back. Um, it had, uh, the angry Samoans, black flag, minor threat, the actual, the first, uh, the very first song on it was rise above. 
from Black Flag. TV Party was the second one. Um, uh, um, I Don't Want to Hear It from Minor Threat and the song Minor Threat. Yeah. And I think those four songs, uh, I just listened to over and over and over and over and over again. And it was, you know, it was, it was, it's corny, but it's like, it was life changing, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah. And that's really kind of how I got into hardcore. And a couple of years later, um, like I said, I lived in a very rural area and it was the mid eighties. Yep. So there, um, I wasn't really aware of what was going on. There was really no way of knowing about shows unless you were already kind of in the scene you right. know you had to you had to find it or it had to find you yes you know? and it did uh eventually and i started going to shows in connecticut at the uh at the anthrax in norwalk connecticut yeah. and uh I'm that was uh yeah that <laughs> I was an amazing place there. yeah that was in a really amazing place i wish i had a little bit more time i um i started going there in late 1988 and I went there until it closed in 1990. I went to as many shows as I could, but yeah. I really wish I had a little more time. But I also understand how lucky I am to have had that experience at all. So I try not to be too hard on myself, that's for sure. But <laughs> but yeah, but that kind of led to um, uh, seeing shows there. Uh, I saw a lot of really great ones. Um, I think something, one show in particular that was very significant to me was... Um, it was actually Shelter's very first show. Yeah. And and um, one of the opening bands was Inside Out. Oh, from... you were at the Inside Out show at the Anthrax. Yeah, Holy yeah. Holy shit. Wow. And that was like, that, I think I liked hardcore because, uh, you know, I was your basic angsty kid. I mean, yep. you know. Um, in the eighties, it was the time of, uh, divorce. Everybody's parents were getting divorced in the eighties. Right. That was the thing. I feel like just really a generation before and a generation after people were willing to kind of more willing to work things out if they could. But in the eighties, it's like, Hey, let's get divorced. Woo. You know? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not to say that that's exactly what happened with my parents, but it just seems to be a widespread um, problem. You right. know, there was a, a, like, I, I, I grew up, all of my friends were, uh, you know, children of divorce, you yeah. know? So, you know, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of other factors. I wasn't a really popular guy in school. I didn't really fit in. I never really jived with sports or anything like that. So, you know, when you hear something angry, you know, and it's saying, you know, a message like the song, like the actual song, minor threat from minor threat, you're just like, holy shit, man, this is, this is, this is the anger I feel. These yeah. are the frustrations I have, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think really up until I saw that inside out show, I think inside out seeing that opened things up in a much different way for me because yeah. here was a band, their message was actually very positive and the way right. that it all made me feel, um, musically and, um, lyrically and vocally, like all of it happening all at once. And, and the way that they presented themselves on stage, it was something that you could feel like it was and yes. it was an, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a tangible thing. And it's I think what it is, is it's soul. There was soul yeah. in it. Yeah. You know, it was almost like uh, what it must have felt like to see Otis Redding live or right. something, you know, like, yeah. like some, something where it's just like you just it fills you. It fills yeah. you with this kind of intangible energy. And I think that was really kind of um that was a real turning point. And I think really it was like, I remember on the ride home thinking to myself, I got to be in a band. I got to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's, that's what I got to do. Like, I want to be able to, 
to do that for other people and, and to have that kind of experience with other people, that uplifting thing. And I realized that hardcore didn't really have to be about something negative all the time. It could be something that, 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 that even, even if your content is negative, because, you know, if you read the Zob lyrics, they're not really, you know, up with people, sure, uh, happy, sure. happy go lucky stuff. But there's a feeling when you play it live, there's an energy, yeah. um, that, um, yeah, I mean, that's really what I wanted to be a part of. And not all heavy music and hardcore has it. Right. You know, Agreed. and um, and that's but that's the stuff that speaks to me. Like if it has that thing, I can't define that makes me feel really alive. Yeah. You know, very, you know, you feel a tingle all through your body. and You get so excited, like you're levitating listening to it. Yeah. And, and I think there's an opportunity in hardcore for that. Um, there, there really is. And it's a missed opportunity a lot. You yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. You know, it's you know. it's funny because what you're saying, and I've talked about this uh, as well, you know, my first book and in interviews, what you just said is verbatim almost my story, except, you know, I was a few years after you. But uh -huh. uh, whereas I just missed the anthrax, um, I got to go to the boiler room. And that was one of uh, the rare Connecticut uh, venues that wasn't there for that long. That was my first show. And then my home away from home was essentially there was the tune in, which, you know, all too well. And we'll talk about that. And there oh, yeah. was also Studio 158. And then there are mm -hmm. other clubs like Max Luna's and uh, Hanover House. Mm -hmm. But the two like go to's were and it was funny. It was either you were a Studio 158 guy or you were a tune in guy and <laughs> tune in was like a little heavier and and the um studio 158 was more experimental though they had heavy like they had bloodlet they had dead guy um i don't recall if dissolve ever played there i'm probably but um so anyways my you know just to uh, kind of uh resonate with you my introduction uh was i think 93 so a little bit um after you, but I remember uh -huh. I was way into alternative music. I, I grew up as an athlete, gave that up, uh, love skateboarding, still skateboard to this day. Went to, my brother was still playing soccer. He's two years younger than me. I went to one of his games and one of his teammates, older brother, who was a couple of years older than me and went to another school was there. And I was wearing a Primus t-shirt and uh -huh. he ends up chatting to me and he goes, yo, you ever heard of this band or that band? And he's talking about bands like Big Mistake and um, some other, you know, they weren't hardcore, but bands like that. And I'm like, no, not really. He's like, you should come check out a show with me sometime. And I'm like, what's a show? You know, I only knew what concerts were. <laughs> concerts, yeah. right, right. But so, yeah, so like I go to his house and because we, we grew up in this town called East Haddam, Connecticut, very rural, middle of nowhere, uh, right. nothing to do. Luckily, he had his license. I didn't have my license yet. And I remember the first thing I think he put on for me uh, was the Groundwork 12-inch, um, you know, the Groundwork. I know there were two of them, but the the Bloodlink Records Groundwork. And oh, not. Not the Connecticut one. No, no, no. The right, right. the one um, just like uh, it starts out with that sample and yeah, it just yeah. comes I've... in. And so when you talk about visceral, I was like, oh, my God, you know, and it, and then we went I went to my first show at the boiler room and uh, then that shortly closed out. And, and so he and I started a band. It was a terrible band called Claremont. Um, but for some reason, Vic, the drummer of Cable, loved us and he booked shows at 158 and oddly enough so did jamie from hatebreed vic and oh, jamie yeah. were the main dudes booking shows there 
So we got to play with like a lot of great bands as a shitty band. Like I remember this band Frail. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but like, oh, I remember Frail. Yeah, yeah. they were amazing. Like very passionate, yeah. and um, and I love that. And so you know, we broke up. He went on to join Cable and has been in Cable ever since. And uh, good for him. They just put out a record this year that's absolutely amazing. Their first yeah, I have record. to check that out. You, you, you had recommended that to I, me. I have to check that out. I used to really like those guys. Yeah, they're great, man. I highly do. It's first record in 10 years. But all nice. that to say, it was similar. Like, so my high school friends were like, you know, hanging out, getting high and, and nothing wrong with that. But like they were going to school dances, whereas on weekends I'm going like to shows or I'm playing shows around New England, playing up at this space in Worcester, you know, visiting all these different areas becoming friends with Steve Austin from today is a day and recording with him. And, you know, so it was just crazy. Like how, like you said, it finds you if it's, you yeah. Know. Um, and I also appreciate you mentioned hip hop because there we were like skateboarding. Um, but it wasn't just a hardcore it, or met still listening to metal, but it was like Gangstar and souls of mischief and mob deep and Dell and, you know, all this like great stuff and all stuff I still listen to. And that's what I loved about the 90s, you know, was this uh, just for me, my my golden era of music. So all that to say, I want to lead up to 93. And this is okay. where I see Dissolve for the first time at the tune in and the running. joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the running joke my brother and I always like make is like we would see you guys with Overcast like every other weekend. Obviously, it wasn't every other weekend, but it seemed like. Dissolve and Overcast played at the tune-in all the time. And um, whenever you guys played, we would always make the trip down. Um, uh-huh. You know, Dissolve and Overcast to this day, still two of my all-time favorite bands. And I've always been a sucker for, when it comes to the heavier stuff, stuff like that, or Bloodlet, Dead Guy, Neurosis, that kind of stuff, Dillinger. But, I, you know, I love Drive Like Jehu and Jawbox and just all over the place, like I know you are. Um, yeah. But so I'm at the tune in. You guys take the stage. First thing I remember thinking is this Charlie Sheen looking motherfucker. Like, all right, let's see what he's got. (laughs) And you guys blew me away. I already was familiar with Overcast and was in love with them. But your set was amazing. Your stage presence was awesome. Like, I was a huge fan. So I bought the Demo 93, which I think I sent you or tagged you in a picture. I still have to this day. Wow. Um, yeah, prized <laughs> possession. I don't know where the case is, but I have the cassette. Um, <laughs> and I know, like, your lyrics, like you say in, in your um, bio, the lyrics make sense to other people than they do to, to yourself. But when you played Wire, and I know that that's a song that you've had a love-hate relationship with because I've seen you play it and love it. I've seen you play it begrudgingly at reunion shows, and I get it. I'm a musician. You get over songs sometimes. Right. But, but being a, you know, a teen in 93 and hearing the lyrics like about women's rights and like your stance and like, like that really meant something to me. And that was part of why I fell in love with Dissolve was, you know, like, wow, man, like I hadn't heard a song where one, it's this brutal, but two, it's like, you know, talking about women and rights and, you know, mother, daughter, sister, wife, 50 percent of the ones I love, like beautiful. So. You know, I don't know where I'm going with this. That's just like my my initial dissolve experience. And I don't think I even introduced myself. I just remember I was floored. So so can you tell me a little bit about the uh, dissolves beginning? You know, when you guys formed as a band, 
what did you have a vision? Did you have a sonic like idea? Because you guys fit into different genres, but you then and now still have your own sound. When you hear Dissolve, you know it's Dissolve. There's no mistaking right. it. So can you tell me about like the formation and, and yeah, like the vision? What what was that? What's the story there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it started with John and I, um, the original guitar player, John Mazarowski. We lived together and we started writing songs, just just kind of joking around songs, really, and I had this idea of being in a band. We were really... Um, at the time, we were really into, I think you could break it down like this. Either it was um, Earache Records, yep, where, you, know, Napalm, you know, Napalm Death, Carcass, Godflesh. I hate God. Or, or, yeah, yeah. or um, that was a little bit later. This okay. was uh, that, 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 that we got into them. Okay. But, um, but uh, or it was like um, a lot of the ABC, No Rio, New York hardcore bands like yeah. Born Against, Citizens Arrest. 100%. Or Rollins Band. Like, that was pretty yeah. much it. That was, like, our holy trinity of sound. Because Rollins Band is its own thing, yes. you know. And yes. so we were really – and we were, I, I think what, what we really wanted to do was something really kind of, you know, heavy and brutal. So we, we got a drum machine, and we actually started writing song, writing and recording songs. I wish the tape still exists because it would be hilarious. <laughs> um, but we uh, had th uh, three songs that we recorded with a drum machine, and John actually was pretty good at programming beats. It was a very primitive drum machine, and yeah. um, I think we got about three songs deep, and then John said, fuck this, let's just get a drummer. And um, we, got, we knew um, our first drummer, Kevin Rivers, we knew he was a drummer. Um, we hadn't heard him play, but yeah. we, didn't know, we didn't really know anybody else, so... Um, we asked him to join, and then John um, um, asked his brother, Jamie, to join. Um, and I knew our first bass player, Mike, Mike Albrecht. He was a, a childhood friend of mine. And we all kind of, um, everybody agreed to do it. You know, like, we, we didn't really, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, when you start a band that way. Because none of us, except for, I mean, I had heard John play, yeah. you know, but none of us had heard each other. We didn't know what our skill level was. It wasn't, or, or anything, or what right. we were going to do, or what each other's influences were. It was like, we're just going to start this band. Yeah. And uh, so it could have either been awful or, or well, it, it, it was pretty much just destined to be awful, really, from the <laughs> beginning. You know. But so we, so, so we got together and played. And um, I think the first, I've, I, it's, it was a really long time ago now. This is, uh, boy, I guess about 28, almost 29 years ago, we yeah. got together for a practice. And I think the first thing we did was start writing. John had a couple of riffs, and we started playing. And by the end of the practice, we had the kind of like the skeleton of um, a song. It's on the 93 demo, Reincarnation. Yeah. That was, and that was the first thing. And... Um, it was just enough for us to be like, okay, I heard you play guitar. You can do it. You can play bass. And then I managed to like squeeze out like a little bit of vocals at the end where I was just like feverishly writing shit down, you know, while they were working. And they were like, okay, good. You, you're, you, 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 you don't sound terrible, you know? So we got together a couple more times. We got that song down and we got that song down really good. And then we came to the next practice and we played that song again. And we were so happy with ourselves. We had a song that we just kind of forgot to write anything else. 
And, you know, I think it went on for a couple of months and just because we weren't, I think we were trying to write more riffs and trying to make that reincarnation thing happen again, which yeah. is, I, 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 I understand that's a little bit of a pun, but, <laughs> but they, um, it just wasn't happening. Nothing was jiving, you know, it was like, we'd have these riffs, nothing was working. And I kind of felt like we were kind of starting to drift apart. It was like, um, I think by the time that was in like June, we started yeah. And I think by the time we got to like September, like we were, we weren't, you know, like, eh, let's not practice this week and let's not practice or, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and our idiot, um, bass player, Mike, um, booked a show where he got us like on a show and we were so pissed at him because we had one song, you know, and we were kind of like probably going to split up, you know? So you know, we were really mad at him, but at the same time, we were like, well, at the same time, it might be kind of fun. So we very quickly got a bunch of covers down and we played the show. I think we had like two practices before we played the show to get a bunch of covers down. And we played the show and there were a lot of people there. It was a lot of high school kids um, because Mike went to high school at the time and he got everybody to come and it was like this packed bar, you know? Yeah. And we started playing and people were into it and we were having a good time. And the last song we played was Reincarnation and the place just went crazy. And we were like, holy shit. And it was like, and it was like that thing. And I kind of feel like I've been chasing that feeling ever since. Like right. that feeling of something that, you know, you made that really brought the house down. You know, everyone started going crazy and that just burst of energy that was going on. It was, it was just so incredible, you know, yeah. to have that kind of connection. It was, it was, it was what, what I, everything I hoped it would be. And first, and, and, you know, the crazy thing is, is after that, like creativity was not a problem. Like we started, we all felt so energized by that. We were, we just started writing songs, started writing and got more and more songs built up our set. I mean, I think in only like a couple of months, we got ourselves up to like four or five songs and, you know, started kind of getting better and better because we were, you know, I mean, I'm making it sound like, you know, it was like, the, you know, we we're, you know, it was great. We brought the house down and everything, but we were still pretty bad. You know, <laughs> I mean, we were, we, we were new. Yeah, you know? I sure. There's I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard a recording of what we sound like, but I'm sure it was bad. But, <laughs> you know, uh, so I think by the time that we got to um, late 92 and we we had all of those songs and when we recorded that 93 demo. Um, which I think we did in early 93, like maybe January or something. Um, yeah. Jamie would probably know better, but we were, we were actually, that, that was a pretty crazy moment for us. Like just playing that back and listening to it. And actually I remember listening to it in a van with a bunch of friends, like playing it for them right after we finished it. Yeah. And, and there were. They were, and th these are people who have been coming to our shitty little shows or whatever, sure. and they were shocked. They couldn't believe it was us, you know, yeah. like we come, we come so far, you know, but I just, all of, yeah. I just want to interject really quick, yeah. Paul, about that demo sure. back in 93, like in that era, a lot of, you know, everyone was releasing demos. This was the era of the cassette, you know, seven inches too, but cassettes were huge. Often, right. and it wasn't about the quality at that point for most people. It was like, is the music there? Is the passion there? Um, right. At least for me. But the one thing that floored me, and to this day, man, I still feel like that demo holds up. I, you know, I still listen to it. Uh, and the quality, yes, of course, it could be better. And every, you know, most recordings can. But for a right. demo, for 93, I, you know, that thing just sounds literally like monstrous like the tones <laughs> like 
it's like a beast. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there that I, you know, because there were plenty of great bands that put out shitty demos. Good musically, right. sonically just did not sound good. Yours musically was great and sonically sounded monstrously in the best possible way. So sorry I didn't to, to interrupt, but I oh, just that's fine. To add that in there. Well, the funny, it's funny that you should say that because we were kind of like, we wanted to, it, we made a conscious effort to not really book shows in Connecticut or in the city or anywhere out of our area until we felt we were ready Yeah, because we, we kind of knew we weren't that great. We were just starting out and, um, but I remember we played a show and my, my, you know, my oldest friend, Howie, who had, who he, he was, it was he and I that were really kind of got into hardcore together and went to shows together when we were young. I remember he came to one of our shows and it was in like 93, early 93. And he said, he was like, you're ready to play in Connecticut now. I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> well, I never so, knew Connecticut had that kind of reputation. <laughs> well, it, it's not that it had it had that kind of reputation. It, it Connecticut meant a lot to me. Like, yeah. I always kind of looked at myself as kind of like more, I identified the most as like a Connecticut hardcore person because yeah. that's that's where I started really going to shows. You sure. know, I, I was I wasn't a CBGBs guy. I wasn't, uh, you know, so. Uh, be- because it was easier to get to Norwalk from where I lived. Right. You know, I lived, I lived very close to route 84. So okay. just, yeah, it was, so it was easy for us. It was easier for us to go to shows there. Um, not, not that we didn't go to the city. We went to plenty of shows in the city, but primarily we were, we were into the Connecticut scene and, and, and I had, you know, a couple of friends there. Um, it's funny, but a lot of the eighties guys kind of stopped going to shows by the time we started playing shows. Um, probably, um, I mean, a real notable one that was still around, uh, that I was friends with was, uh, Ian from dismay. Ian Keeler. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and he was like an early, uh, champion for us too. Cause yeah. his band was, his band was a pretty big deal at the time. Absolutely. In Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it was actually a big deal for me that we, uh, that we were good when we played there. Yeah. You know, I wanted to make sure because I was like, oh, shit, I don't want to suck there. That's the real scene, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's what I felt that's, about like that, New York, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's the big show. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, Connecticut. I've never, ever heard that before. So, anyways. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, I, I mean, maybe it's not true. Maybe it is, but it, that's that's the way it felt for me yeah. because that, that was like my home, as, a home away from home as far as Connecticut, as Hargore goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, but, um, yeah, yeah. So, so by, by the time you saw us in 1993, we were ready for you to see us, you know, we <laughs> yeah. were like, all right, you know, we had our good demo, we sounded good, you know, so, um, we kind of gotten all of our bad, um, instincts out, you know, but we were still learning too. I mean, I, I, it's funny I, for a long time, I didn't really like that demo, um, because I thought that we got you know, we progressed, yes. you know, past, past that sound. Sure. But I, but I listened to it now and, and I'm like, Oh wow. You know what I mean? When, when I consider how young we all were, right. You know, um, it's, it, uh, I'm like, all right, I, I, I see the merit there. I do. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, like you were saying before about the demo, the demo was just as valid back then as a record. I mean, yeah. you had your, you had your demo and then you came out with your seven inch and then you came out with your full length. And that's right. just kind of how it worked. That was like how that, that was the timeline and your demo, you know, I remember feeling like really gypped when bands came out with their full length record and it was just their demo, yeah, you know, re-recorded, right. re- re- you know, like, like, um, it, I absolutely worship Killing Time and Raw Deal, yes. but 
I can't stand that fucking album because it's the fucking demo. Right. It's 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 just you know, they just it's just like two new songs. Yes. You know, I remember when that came out being like, you know, fuck you, dude. You're not gonna get my money again. And right. but they did, but they did. You know, I mean, of course I bought it. I have it. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. But, <laughs> hey, but but respect but to bands. Just, I was yeah, just gonna say, yeah. like, then you had bands where I were I did respect because you know you had those songs that were on the demos that a lot of people didn't have. Right. Two two cases come to mind, like Cast Iron Hike. Love them. They got signed to Victory. Right. Had a, I think at least two songs off the. I think Trust Kill did their their seven inch. I could be wrong on that, but you know that was a great four song album. And then of course Hatebreed when they got signed to Victory added a couple old, but at least you know there were only a couple, and the rest right. of it was new. So that's one thing. But yes, I agree with what you're saying. That's yeah. You feel like come on, man, give us some new yeah. material. But now it's like if somebody has a demo, it really is a demo. It's right. really just it, it's it, they're they're putting it out in the meantime until they have something bigger. It's usually just like two two or three songs, and right. that's a little more like it. Whereas with us, I mean, our demo was like a full length album, you know. Yeah. So, but by, by the time we we got around to recording an album years later, you know, we we only did like one song off of that, and and now I think that was a bit of a misstep because mm. you know, I mean. That dismantle record, I think it's only like 25 minutes long. I mean, we could have just thrown. I mean, I don't know why we didn't do wire. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just weird to me. Like, yeah. I don't know the the decisions you make when you're young and you know stoned and stupid. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's crazy. I mean, people still go like you know you play Sandblaster and people go nuts, but right. like wire still after everything seems to be that song that fucking you know people just go insane for maybe i'm you know it was on the over the edge comp maybe that had something to do with it but i think it um, did i think it did have a lot to do with it that over the edge comp helped a lot yeah yeah yep the other thing about about that song is how unbelievably hit or miss it is live because there was um we'll play it and people will be you know literally hanging from the rafters you know just going Completely crazy. Yes, I you know have actual pictures of that happening. So yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then and then there's other times where we're like, all right, here's our here's our secret weapon, and we'll play wire, and it'll be like nothing. <laughs> wow. See, I've never you know, seen. Yeah. That. I've never. So seen we're that. we're very we're always a little weird about it. We actually, uh, honestly, the way we play it now, it's always there. Yeah. And but it's never in the set list. So yeah. if people. Um, I think the last time we played it was at that Cherry Street show. Yep. Um, and the reason why we play it was because before we played, like about three people asked us if we could play it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And, and we all talked. We're like, well, we're, we're, you know, we're gonna do Wire. It's it, it, it's worthwhile to do it because we. It's not that we hate. Well, there was a period of time that we really were kind of tired of playing that song. Of and I think. I think it's really the reason why we were tired of it wasn't really because we didn't like it. It was just that our newer songs that we liked more weren't getting the same kind of attention. So we were feeling like a little bit like, well, you know, kind of, you know, but like hurt a little bit, you know, it's like, you know, come on. We that's like, you know, that's a a couple of years old. We got this new Gabriel French thing, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's kind of cool, you know, but very cool. Yeah. But I think now we've kind of made our peace with it, definitely, and, and we enjoy playing it because we love the reaction it gets. And we understand, I think, when you get older, you understand that there are things you hear when you're young yeah. and and uh, before you're jaded and before real life comes caving in, music really blows you away. Absolutely. And 
So something that you hear when you're young, it might not even be the best thing. There's, there's records I have. I know they're not really good records, yep. really, musically, but they still make me feel great because they blew me away because they hit me at the right age and the right time. Yeah. And that's what well, that's what Wire did to a bunch of people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's like when I listen, yeah. I still listen to Frail and like the music's terrible, but the passion is there. And so I understand, you know, like the yeah. tunings even on the recordings weren't always on. And it was like they didn't give a fuck. They're like, <laughs> right. we're just doing this. You know, it right. was like a, a, a worse version of Born Against. Um, But I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, like great band. Right. And seeing them live was always a pleasure. And I, you know, I got psyched. But yeah, man, I still listen to those. And, and again, that goes back to. It was so such an important ingredient was the passion and the heart that was being put into that music. And I run into a lot of shit today like where, well, it's cool because I do meet a lot of people that are interested in spirituality in whatever form. And even using that word for me is starting to become annoying because there's so much like stigma that comes along with it. But um, that, you know, grew up in that scene or love contemporary metal and are interested in things like mindfulness and meditation. And um, on the other hand, though, there's like the old school, quote unquote, spiritual people and like there's nothing spiritual about that and i'm like no fuck you man yes there absolutely is i look back yeah like i look back to when i was you know now let's fast forward to like 16 and i'm getting into isis and neurosis and you know that just cyclical mantric kind of drone bands like high on fire and I didn't recognize it at the time, but that was taking me into a meditative, like deeply connected state. I just didn't have, you know, the wording or I didn't know that's what it was because I had no interest in spirituality or whatever you care to call it. But now I look back and it's like, yeah, that was connecting me with something deeper within myself. So absolutely it's spiritual and beautiful and it still is to this day. Like, and that's why I still play like heavy music and listen to heavy music and many other genres like i know you do as well but um yeah man who's to say what is or isn't so um you know and that's part of like what i love about dissolve you were kind enough to send me uh you know the new record that's coming out soon and um you know that stayed with me but i've listened to it at least like 50 times and i fucking (laughs) yeah no exaggeration dude i love this record like um it's amazing and it just it you know it's so great it's completely dissolved but it's like it's it stays interesting it's not one of those bands that just keeps put putting records out and it's like it feels like they're phoning it in like you guys right. like you were saying about like putting out the older stuff after wire it's like you felt like you weren't getting the attention or respect but I love that progression of dissolve you know like you you it shows how you grew and became more experimental and both musically and vocally. And um, before we go further into that, I did want to let read a couple of quotes. Um, okay. Because I always, when I hear people compliment me, I'm the worst at taking compliments. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to, you know, I don't know if you're like that, but for listeners, you know, d- that haven't heard of Dissolve, here's some things right. a, a few musicians have had to say. And, and in this genre, they're highly respected. So um, 
Quote, you can't come from Poughkeepsie, New York, and not know the musical force that is Dissolve. They have been a solid presence in the hardcore scene since the early 90s, and they always, uh, they will always be a blitz to the senses when they bring the heavy. And that was Matt Byrne, drummer from Hatebreed. And if you don't know who Hatebreed is, you know, like, your head is definitely up your ass. Um, <laughs> then we have Ken from Candiria, one of my all-time, you know, another favorite bands, one of just hearing them and the experimentation and Ken's drumming is like second to none. Um, but when I first saw it dissolve on stage, they were juxtaposing an intellectual and maniacal attitude that screamed true cere- uh, cerebral and outraged rebellion. The music was executed amazingly too with raw emotion and technical prowess. I was an immediate fan to this day, still get pumped by how they create the drive in their rhythmic perspective Heavy metal has to drive rhythmically. Dissolve does it with a unique flair that has a perfect blend of quirky and crushing. That is absolutely true. Then you have Mike <laughs> from Killswitch Engage, who is also in Overcast and other bands, but he says Dissolve will smash your face in with brutality. If you like the idea of glass shards shredding your eardrums apart, this is the band for you. Uh, that was pretty great. Because who does it? Because who does it love glass shards yeah. in their ears? I no. mean, <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> um, just a couple more. Jesse Leach, the singer of Killswitch Engage, who left for a while, and and Howard Jones filled in. Now he's back. Uh, Jesse said, "Dissolve is a band that defies classification and genre. I've always loved the riffs and perfect chaos of the drums, paired with the per, uh, precision of the low end bass." As a vocalist, I've always been a fan of Paul's vicious and poetic approach to his voice and lyrics, easily one of the most eccentric and unpredictable frontmen to come out of the Northeastern hardcore metal scene. They are masters of their craft in a band that for too long hasn't been given their due, underrated and a sculpt. Uh, and a sheer force to be reckoned with. Dissolve will tear your face off and then fold it into an abstract sculpture and hand it back to you with an eerie grin from ear to ear. And finally, <laughs> Brian uh, Fairs, singer of Shadows Fallen and, of course, Overcast and other bands. Uh, Dissolve were a band that was so far ahead of their time. No one was doing uh, down-tuned, sludgy riffs over driving grooves like these dudes were. There are riffs on their demo from decades ago that are still heavier than anything I've heard to date. They never cared about what was hip or trendy. They just wanted to make music that would pummel you into dust. So glad this rock and roll juggernaut is still rolling and crushing everything in their path. I agree with every single word every single one of those individuals said. So, you know, and those are big compliments. Um, Like I said, I'm terrible at taking those. And I know they weren't all just about you, but Dissolve as a general. But, you know, hearing that, how does that make you feel? And, you know, do you agree with what they're saying? Do anything, you know, what, what does that bring up for you? Oh, and the well, it's great. I I really love all of those guys. We yeah. go back, we go back pretty far. I know that all of them have seen us play many times. Yeah. Um, and and I have the exact same amount of level of respect and love for them and their bands too. Um, absolutely, seriously. Yeah, uh, yeah. I we we were very very fortunate to come up around the time that we did that we could play with all those guys when they were nobodies <laughs> i know I, yeah now look at them when i was in ground yeah. zero i was playing with like mastodon and all these huge bands now like lamb of god yeah. and you know we're playing at the bristol skate park on ramps right. to like 
40, 50 people, and now look at them. So, anyways. I oh, understand. yeah. I, 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 I played the uh, Cranel Street with Lamb of God, uh, yeah. which is a really tiny part of the Chance Complex. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I never thought in a million years that they'd be, yeah, opening <laughs> for Bill Slayer's last tour. Yeah, it's just man. insane. It is. But yeah, but um, yeah, and, and actually, it's funny you mentioned the Boiler Room. Uh, we we met Overcast at the Boiler Room. We played a show with them um, sometime in 1993. Yeah. Um, and Jamie from Hatebreed booked the show, and Josta 14 was on the bill. Wow, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, we all go that far back. Um, God, how old was Jamie then? I mean, he was just—he looked like a little boy. He was. I mean, oh, yeah. he was a little boy. Yeah, yeah. it was weird. Yeah. You know, but he was already a mover and a shaker. He was already kind of, um, oh, I wouldn't say running things, but he was on his way. Absolutely. You know, no definitely. It, even, even way back then. Um, but yeah, but as far as the things they said, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what to say. It, it is hard to take compliments. You it know? is, yeah. Um, you know, especially from people that you respect as much as I respect all of them. Yeah. Um, but it means a lot. It really does. And as far as there, there's definitely I think what I like about the things that they all said um, is that there's I think from everybody, there's at least one sentence in there um, from each person that I'm like, it is very gratifying because it's they understand they kind of understand what we're going for. So I'm like, yeah, that's what we're going for. Good. I'm glad that that comes across. <laughs> yes, I agree. When I when I read that in a book review, same thing. It's like, oh, thank you. Like, because yeah, yeah. It's, it's when you pour your heart and soul into something, you you know, and people don't get it. It's, it, it, you know, I'm a pretty sensitive guy, and so it's like, oh man, just like you're yeah. mentioning back to the wire thing with the new dissolve stuff. I I when you say that, like immediately, that made me think of you know similar experiences I've had. Um, well. Yeah, well, we've had to we've had to kind of develop a thick skin. Um, yes, yeah, because we've, you know, um, we've always kind of wanted to go forward and do something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, all the time, and you know that that's not celebrated in hardcore. Yes. Um, yeah. I think people really generally, it's the kind of music where kind of predictability is is supposed to be there. It's a right. you know, and and I respect that, and I understand that, but yeah. I'm not gonna fucking do it. Yeah. You know, that's that's not. I, I think the bands that I always really um looked up to, and maybe they're actually bad role models, be, uh, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> But the ones that always just kind of went their own way, right? Um, you know, like um, I re I mean, obviously, um, uh, Black Flag is a big one. Black Flag will go out on tour and just play their new album, yeah, you know? and and a couple hits, yeah, you know, like here and there or whatever. But per pretty much, they just went out there and you know, people will be yelling out for nervous breakdown or something like that, and they just wouldn't play it. You know, right. they would just you know pull them away. I wouldn't, and there was definitely a period of time where I think we were a little prickish, you know, where sure. we were kind of that way. We we're like, you know, so we're not going to play any of both, but we're, we're not going to give you what you want, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, and, you know, it's some, I, I, I think we found a happy medium over time where it was just like where everybody could be happy, you know, yeah. we're like, okay, we'll play some of that, play some of that. But I think, um, yeah, we've really had to, um, like I said, develop a, a, a thick skin, especially back then when we were trying different things, because, you know, um, people would kind of move on from us and then they'd come back, you know, and it's been a really long, twisted journey with yeah. this all of where 
sometimes we're on top and sometimes we're not. You sure. Know, uh, we play some, we play, and, and these days, even now, it's not a guaranteed thing. I think there was a period of time when we were doing reunion shows um, yep. in the early 2000s uh, or even mid-2000s that it was pretty much a sure thing if we wanted to book a show, there'd be an audience there. It was pretty cool. But yep. I kind of feel like once you make the announcement that you're back together and you're going to write new stuff, everyone's like, uh, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, eh, nah, I'll pass, you know, I, right. I, I like the old records or whatever. So, you know, um, shows we play now, um, yeah, I mean, some of them are fucking phenomenal yeah. and some of them are terrible. You know, yeah. we never really, we never really know, but the more I think about it and the more I, and at first it's kind of disappointing because like I said, that we were spoiled with those reunion shows, you know? Oh yeah. But, I was but at most now, of them. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. you know, it was, it was crazy, yeah. but. I, I think, but at the same time, the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of in it. I'm like, no, well, this is what it's like to be in a band. This is what it was like in the 90s. Right. Sometimes sometimes we played in front of 500 people. Sometimes we played in front of five. Literally. You know? And driving and like five hours yeah. for those five people, right? Exactly. Like, and getting exactly. paid gas money if you're lucky. Like, Yeah. I know yeah. that struggle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know, that's that, that it's really, and for some reason, really just in the past year or so I've, I've, I've come to embrace that to yeah. where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of what it's, it, it's, you know, this is what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, and it is really, and it really does kind of go back to, um, to, to spiritual journeys that people yeah. go on. Yeah. I think when you're young, you think that there's an answer yeah. and there's, there's, and you're going to find it and you're going to find it. Yeah. You know, and you're going to seek and you're going to maybe you're maybe you're going to take LSD and you're going to go like out in the woods and you're going to see if you can find the answer. Or maybe you're going to um, meditate and you're going to find the answer. Maybe you're going to um, um, get in touch with, you know, Krishna consciousness or the Roman Catholic Church and you're going to find the answer, you know. But I think as you get older, you realize that that the, the there isn't really one true answer. It's right. kind of about the journey. It's about yeah. the, the answer is finding joy in the moment and finding joy in the small things and finding joy in everything that you do. So even if you're playing a show in front of five people, just think it's like you're just so fortunate to be alive and to have created this music and to have these really great friends that you've had for like 35 years or whatever yeah. and you're still doing it it's like the most beautiful thing and that is the answer it's finding joy in that and then if you're in front of like 500 people well then your fucking joy is 500 <laughs> times that <laughs> paul i've got to say that's so beautifully said man like uh, you know i still do these two bands one of which i'm fortunate to be doing with you that you know we're just getting off the ground and another one that also is kind of just getting off the ground but you know when music's instilled in you you can't like not do it it just I like know. It, no. you, i've taken breaks and for years and it's like it just pulls me back no matter what but you know so when i do the speaking thing um and teach workshops I will go still to this day. It's very interesting. I just got back from Phoenix speaking in front of like, I don't know, 700 people. A couple weeks before that is in California. There was maybe 500. I've done 2,000, 1,000. And then I'll do workshops where there's like five or 10. And I am the same way. Like I take that same approach. It's like, you know what? I am very, you know, this is how I, I make a living. This is what I get to do with my life. 
I get to show up and spend this time with these five people and have an intimate like workshop and and help them on their healing journeys, which whether you know it or not, like your music and and others have helped me on mine, Um, you know, and just in different ways. There's so many integral ways to healing ourselves and getting through the day. Um, but, but it's the same deal. Like, uh, the only difference for me is I, I, I say like it gets lonely cause I don't have those friends. Like you mentioned, like, it's just like touring, same thing. I'm touring, but it's me alone. If I'm lucky, I get to like bring my fiance to an event, but you know, that's few and far between. So, you know, I spend a lot of time in the hotel by myself, whatever. Um, but there's just the gratitude aspect. So I, I really appreciate you shining a light on that. And, uh, and dig hearing that even after all these years, like that's how you're feeling about it. Super cool. Oh yeah. And yeah. Super, super glad like dissolve has went that route. Cause you look at bands like you're right. It, it can be a very like closed minded um, scene in the hardcore scene. Uh, yeah. I remember like when cave in and converge and neurosis and uh, right. Norma Jean, they all started to kind of progress and go their own way. And, either people stuck with them or they were like, fuck those guys. You know, their first record, first two records were good. And the rest, I don't care about Converge's last record, man. Oh my God. Like for me, at least absolutely phenomenal. I'll still listen. I love that last Converge. Yeah. Yeah. That song. What's that song on there? I think it's called in duress. See, I'm the worst with song titles. Oh, Um, that's that's, that's like the heaviest shit they ever did. I mean, it, 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 it it really holds up. It really does. And uh, their, their whole, their whole thing. Converge is an interesting band because um, in the '90s, I was very, um, I was very frustrated with them because mm-hmm. I always kind of felt like they, they, I, I thought they were a good band. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that they were a little bit different than than everybody else. But I also kind of felt like they were, they were just, I, I don't know, they, they, they were trying to find themselves really. And yeah. they were trying, tra- trying on all these different hats. You know, I remember they, they did that Steve Austin record. Yeah. Um, and I thought they kind of sounded a little like today's the day on it, you know, mm. a little bit like here and there. And they were always doing these. So I'd always be kind of frustrated. And I was always like, God, guys, just fucking be yourself, you know, just do that. <laughs> and then they came out with Jane Doe and I was like, they did it. Yeah. They did it. Yeah. They fucking found it. They yep. found who they are. And I fucking I've loved every record since then. Like Absolutely. they really they really did it, you know, and it, it took them a while to find it. And then when they got that sound and when Kurt, I mean, that, that was really I know Kurt Kurt had recorded them before and had done a bunch of recording. But that was the first Kurt recording, I think. Right. Like the way like everything after that now sounds like that level. That yes. was the first one that you're just like. I remember thinking hearing that record and that it didn't even really sound like it it didn't sound like a like a you know like I know I didn't pay attention to the guitar or the drums or there was nothing dominant it was just like one big brick being thrown at you yeah. you know <laughs> No that's a great way of saying it and look at yeah. now you've got Kurt fucking uh winning a, or High and Fire winning a Grammy for their last I record know, that I Kurt know. recorded like and yeah. for 
to yeah. see them on that stage and to hear Kurt's name. I recorded in Kurt at God City way back. Like, oh, we, really? Yeah. We played with his band. I think it was the Huguenots, like one of his old bands. He was still in Converge, but he had a side project. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know Kurt like back in the day when I was in Ground Zero. We played with him a lot. But, um, you know, they're one of those bands that just you're right. They found their sound. I still do like that, like petitioning the Empty Sky stuff because, um, uh, again, yeah. I was a teenager. It was it was connecting. Right. But yeah, Jane Doe, you failed me. Like all this stuff after that was just like, man, like, all right. Um, yeah, all this great. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't we didn't really play with them. I don't think we we, we, we hardly ever played with them, which is kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I mean, considering that I think we would have fit together. Completely. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much we fit fit perfectly with anybody. But I mean, we played with um a lot of bands that they played with. So I don't know. It was just kind of like a weird luck that we didn't. But I'll tell you what, we did play a show with them once and it was back in it was in, I think, 93 or 94, whenever that um, comp came out, the, the one we were just talking about. Oh, the, Endless uh, Fight? The Endless Fight one. Yeah, because they were on it. I still love and that it, song, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was the it was like the CD release for that show, um, and we put and every band. Uh, I think anybody who could make it. Um, I think some bands were from pretty far away oh, on did, it that that didn't make it, but I everybody was, who could make it uh, um, played. I was there. That was the LNG oh, you were there in New London was, at the LNG. Yeah. I, no, actually, no, no, no. It was at some weird. Oh wait, it was it was like the back of like a skate shop or a bike shop or something, but it was like the back room of a place. It was very small. Old Sabre. Um, it was in it, Connecticut, right? Yeah, it was in Connecticut. If there's anybody out there that could uh, shed some light on yeah. this, where was that release show? But it was a weird little place. I remember everybody played on the floor, and uh, it was really very haphazard, very DIY. And, yeah, I was um, there. Yeah. I'm sorry, but go on. Yes. But it was but but Converge played, and I think they were, like, literally 13 years old. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because, like, th th that's always been – that's kind of the running gag with Dissolve. It's just like, you know – when you were 12 or 13, I was a man already, you yeah, know, like yeah, we were yeah, already, oh, yeah. full, we were already like, got, you know, I think I was, uh, at that point I was like 21 or something, you know what I mean? And these guys were, they look like children, Yeah. but they were so endearing. I remember watching them play and, I, um, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan, you know, yeah. but I watched them play because I was like, they, you know, like you're saying before, it's like, they were like, we've been talking about, they had that intangible thing. They had that passion, you yeah. know, where they were. And, uh, you know, I, I knew there was there were people to watch. But once again, I had no idea that all these years later, they'd be the guys on top yeah. and that they were going to be as 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 good as they got. So you got to watch. You got to watch the quiet ones. Yeah. You got to watch the weird little kid. <laughs> you never know. And yeah. Yeah. You anybody, never know. anybody listening, please hit me up because I know I was there. What I'm confusing is I know I think his <laughs> name was Josh who did the uh, Endless Fight. Yes. Stuff, and he did yes. two comps and he did actually a few shows for that first one and one of them okay. was at the lng um uh -huh. and i remember frostbite was at that one and i don't think they were at the the one you're talking about i could be wrong i believe you're uh, correct yeah, yeah, yeah but i remember i was definitely at both of them so that's why i immediately went to the lng but there's been a lot of those little pop-up like one-off or you know lasted a month or two venues where we'd have shows and the place all of a sudden you know it would just get trashed and they'd be like no, oh we're here so. yeah lots of places uh, there was a place in new haven called the fun house do you remember that no i don't think i made it yeah that, oh. that was i think there was maybe one or two shows there that was it was so close to the tune in it was on like the other side of what's that big 
field there in the middle of uh, New oh, Haven. I think it's like, just the New Haven Green, it's called. Yeah, the Green. Yeah, yeah, it was like on the other side of the Green, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, we we played a lot of those little places in Connecticut that lasted like two seconds. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Boiler Room. I'm glad that we managed to go to get there for a couple of shows. We played our very first show in Connecticut at Boiler Room, and it was, and it was funny because it was um, there was. It was probably like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was a really hot day. And yeah. I think there was like maybe only like five people watching us. One of them was Boulder. Love yeah. that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and Jamie Josta, I think maybe um, was it Greg from Josta 14? Mm-hmm. Um, there were like a few like really not many people, but they but it was like from that show, those guys bought demos. And the next time we came back, like all those dudes knew the lyrics and shit. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. It was really great. And, uh, but yeah, the boiler room, they'll always, always have very warm memories for that place. Well, I, once again, that's a pun because that place was (laughs) disgustingly hot. Yes, it was. The name was was so fitting. Yeah. The name was really fitting. It was horrible in there, yeah. you know, but it was, but it was a good time. It was, yeah, I met Overcast there, met, yeah. met Jamie, you know, a lot of people that went on to be pretty, pretty important to me. So, yeah. yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yep, yep. I, I, go, I, go Connecticut, man. Yeah, man, we, we've done some okay things for a small state, you know. Um, yeah. I only got to see two shows there before uh they changed it or tore it down. I don't remember what happened to it, but you know, at least I got to see two shows dissolve. Unfortunately, it was not one of them, but um, you oh. know, at least I made it, you know, I didn't make the anthrax. I made the boiler room, but um, there you go. so we got a few minutes left. I have two questions. Uh, well, sure. three, technically one of them's a two part and then we'll end up uh, on the last one. But I, I like you know, especially with musicians. Um, I love stories and, and, and this can be brief cause we, Again, uh, don't have much time, but I would love if, and this can be the first thing that comes to mind, if you can tell me, this is a two-parter. First of all, what is one of the most frightening experiences you've ever had while performing? If <laughs> such, a, I'm, Maybe there's been tons of them. And then on the flip side, what's one of the most enjoyable experiences you've had while performing so I'm, I'm speaking specifically to like while on stage not recording not touring but like actually performing um well there was one show um it was in connecticut i won't tell you what town sure. um but um there was uh i i think they were we were playing i got really caught up in the moment and they turned the pa off on us because i guess they, they you know we they they deemed us done yeah. And we just kept playing anyway, like and because I didn't have a live mic, I, I took my clothes off. So <laughs> there was like, you know, I, you know, everyone's looking at you that you need know, you, you're supposed to do something. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't get completely naked or anything, but, my you know, my ass was hanging out and stuff like that. So yeah. um, a guy like from the place, like ran up to me and like grabbed me by the leg and was just like, you put your fucking clothes on now. Yeah. And I was like, so I did. And then that, and then, um, that guy, and, and this was at some like rec center, you know, yeah. at like pretty upscale Connecticut town. So I know he, exactly um, where you're talking about <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Cause I've played there. Yeah. I know where you're talking about, but I, um, but if the, the guy like pulled me aside and was screaming at me, you know, about, you know, what had happened and he said he was going to call the cops. So 
I went out. So I was like, all right, well, I don't really want to go to jail. So I know our drummer at the time, like he took his own car. So I remember like I got in the car and I put my hoodie on like over my head and he drove me past the police that had showed up. Wow. And, and and we left and, and everything. Statute of limitations, people. That's that's uh, yes, all I'm talking about. It. This was a very long time ago. <laughs> so um, so I get home and I realize that I don't have my backpack and I'd <gasps> left it there and it had like all my lyrics, everything that that I wanted. So I had to go back like a couple of days later and get my backpack from the dude who called the cops on me. I mean, it just goes to show how much balls I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But when I walked in and I, I was pretty terrified, I thought for sure, like when I saw those cops, they're looking at me. I'm like looking at the floor. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so I got out of there. It was fine. And um, but when the guy saw me, he just he just like smiled and looked down and shook his head and pulled out the backpack and just handed it to me. And oh, I was like, that's All right. cool. <laughs> so it was fine. And he was like, don't you ever pull no shit like that again. And I was like, don't worry, we'll never, ever come back here. Yeah. <laughs> You're rid of me forever, you know, and I'm glad everything ended up as far as like truly, truly terrifying. You know, we we always avoided any kind of hardcore conflict. We were never really affiliated with anything violent or anything. So I was never really I mean, I, I, I would say as a spectator, I've been at shows that were terrifying. Yeah. Uh, but we never really played one that where a scary thing happened. And I'm yeah. very, very fortunate for that. So, yeah. yeah. And and as far as most enjoyable, um. There were many, many. I'm just going to single maybe one. I'm going to single out two. One was the first show we ever played, and but I've already touched upon that. Yeah. And But probably, I mean, definitely one of the most enjoyable shows we ever played was the first time that we played um, the New England Metal Fest. Oh, awesome. Yeah, up in Worcester. I th- yeah, yeah, I think it was maybe 99 or 2000. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think we were... Um, just about to record the caveman record. Uh, we had a bunch of really strong songs, uh, and we had a really good set list of like old and new songs and just, just, uh, the, the feeling in the room, you know, uh, I, I think we, we had kind of fallen out of favor for a little while yeah. and that was kind of a show that kind of put us back. Like yeah. we were, it brought it, like, I realized I was like, wow, people's are, pe- people are still there for us. You know, yeah. there was. There was just just a feeling of love in the room was 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 really, really great that day. And I'll always really look back. And it's funny because I posted, I think, a photo from that on the Dissolve Instagram. And a lot of other people kind of chimed in saying the same thing, that that was a very enjoyable show, you know, for for, for us, you know, and for everybody. I'm really I mean, I can't remember all the bands that played before. It was an exciting time for heavy music. I yeah. mean, a lot of band, a lot of bands uh, that became very big. um, very shortly after played that show. So yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was really neat that we were all kind of on that same level at the time before things got super huge, you yeah. know, for, well, for everybody else, but us, you, know, well, but. you and cable, you're the two bands. It never made sense <laughs> to me that like it didn't get bigger. And everyone always says like, you know, it's dissolved and then cable, like they were ahead of their time. They were genre breakers and they just, I know with cable, it was like, cause they would put a record out, they wouldn't tour or they would, and then they'd break up yeah. and whatever. But, uh, you know, two bands that slipped by, but you know, the new records coming out, which I can't, I can't honestly, I, like I said, I've had it for what, not even two weeks and listened to it like 50 times. And I am not exaggerating. It's phenomenal. 
Um, oh, I, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, man. I'm I'm so jazzed on it. It's been so hard to like keep it to myself because I want everybody to hear it. But um, so do I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, they're not going to be disappointed. I am sure of that. So that leads me to my final question: Is sure. here we are, man. 2019 going on 2020. Um, yeah. you're a parent now you're still, you know, you, you have a job. We all do like all of us hardcore kids that are still alive. Cause we've lost a lot of really good people. Um, sure those of us yeah. that are still here, man, like, you know, many of us are still playing music, but we're working and trying to juggle our passion and, and, uh, I'm not a parent, but you know, most of my friends are most of the people I'm in bands with are. And, um, right. so, so, you know, just tell me briefly about your life now. Like, you know, your the dissolve records coming out. It's great, but you you know, you have a job, you have kids and it's a lot different than 93 when the demo was coming out. So, you know, if you can tell me just kind of compare and contrast what, uh, where today is at and what your life today is like for you. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I have two kids. I have a boy and a girl, yeah. uh, boy, boy is seven girl is 12. Um, uh, you know, I have a house, my you know that I share here with my wife, who I love very much. We've been together for twenty years. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, sure, I go to work every day. My work, my my work uh, is a, a really good mix of, um, you know, red tape bullshit and yeah. really, really deeply meaningful uh, stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> because, yeah, because I work. I work for uh, uh, I, I work in a group home, the manager of a group home for people oh. with uh, with uh, developmental disabilities. So incredible, man. Yeah. So it can be, you know, it, but I, I mean, the thing that's really challenging is all of the things that you have to deal with, you know, things like ledgers and things that are oh, due yeah. and, you know, all that. But, uh, yeah. you know, the enjoyable things are when you actually make a difference in somebody's day, yes, you know, um, so. There's a little bit of that. But other than that, yeah, but I try um, as far as like the way music fits into it, it's different. You know, I mean, I used to I remember, you know, when I was single and back in the 90s, I would bring a notebook to Dunkin' Donuts in the middle of the night and tr try to write lyrics and stuff. And, you know, I just kind of like lived it. You know, that was it. And like my job just, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I just had a job. I work. I'd be a janitor. I'd be a Taco Bell or, you know, whatever. His music was, you know, all of it. Now it's the it, it's all reversed. Yeah. Now the music is whenever I can get to it, whenever I can do it. Right. And and the, it, it, it's funny because you don't I, I feel like a lot of times um, when we're a little bit inactive, um, real life thinking starts to come into it. And I'm like, why am I doing it at all? Like right. <laughs> it, right. does, it really doesn't make any sense at all. It's not like I'm going out and I'm making lots of money. It's not like I'm going out and I don't feel like we're making a huge difference in the world. Yeah. But then when we go out and finally do it, like play a show or have a practice or write a song or something like that. I mean, there it is. That's yeah. the reason. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just this, it's, it's simple. It's, it's very, I don't know. I, I, as life gets more complicated, the things that you kind of crave, the things that are just that simple, I love you know, that. just, you know, that are just, just, you know, the, all us getting together, having a nice chat, playing some music and hopefully making people happy. Making people happy has always been my goal. I don't, you know, a lot of people, uh, think this music is very negative, you know, whatever. Right. I want every, I want everybody to smile. I want everybody to have a good time. I want everybody to pat each other on the back and just, you know, and I want everybody to be able to enjoy it. I don't, I don't want one big meathead guy moshing and hurting all the girls. I want everybody up front having a good time. Yeah. That's always, that's always kind of been our vibe, you know, right. for, a, you know, forever. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, and I think I, 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 I really try. I mean, I struggle sometimes, you know, I have a, I suffer from the same kind of frustrations and anxieties and anger that everybody does. But I think I try to, uh, I try to raise my children, you know, in, in a way that, um, I don't know that maybe they'll feel the same way, you know, that they'll feel like, you know, just those, you know, uh, those simple things in life are really what it's all about that are the most meaningful, you know, um, you know, it's, it's funny people like, you know, my wife is a teacher and I do what I do, you know, we're never, ever going to be rich. Right. Yeah. (laughs) No, as far as money goes, but as, as I get older, that matters less and less to me. Um, you know, I mean, I think there was a time where I'm like, oh shit, I'm starting to get old. I better start figuring this stuff out. And I think we've, we've kind of gotten to a place to where we maintain a good life without fucking anybody over. And if, and if people, if more people did that, that would be nice. You know, um, I don't know. That's, I don't know. But unfortunately our world isn't really looking like it's very interested in moving that way. No, (laughs) which I know you, you you address that in your first song, uh, decimator, I think. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait for people to hear that. Actually there's some, you've, I think even you've posted some videos of that on or dissolve as, but, uh, on my YouTube page. So it's out there, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, well, thank you, Paul, for for kind of like going down memory lane with me, bringing us up to speed. I hate like this is the times where I hate that the show has a time limit. And uh, obviously <laughs> we're over on that, but it is what it is because we could talk for hours. Um, oh, we could. But, we could yeah. <laughs> but being a parent, I know you've got to get your kids and, um, you know, we got to bring this to a close. But I love the fact that it just means I'm going to have to have you back on and uh, revisit anytime. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk after the album comes out, see how that's going. But one thing I did want to say, man, is that the music, it it does like, at least for me, and I'm sure I'm speaking on other people's behalf. Like when you're saying like, why am I doing this? Like, you know, cause I question that too. It's time consuming. It's also cathartic and part of my like healing process. Uh, And I write dark things as well, but they actually are in a, have a positive intention behind them but with the dissolve music the new record like it it really is helpful to me and so for whatever that's worth i and i'm sure it will be to other people uh you know if you find yourself questioning that like i know i do with my books and my music um you know it helps when i hear people say thank you this helped or that helped and uh and this new dissolve record as well as the old stuff ever since the 90s it's been like a big integral part of the soundtrack to my life so you know i thank you i thank the rest of the band for that and the last thing i'd be remiss if i didn't ask uh i know you guys have a band camp page where i think like basically everything is available there if i'm not mistaken like the the wired not wired demo the demo 93 with wire uh mm-hmm. dismantle like it's all up on there correct it is yep and, yep everything is there yep. and what's the link to that if you know by chance uh i don't really know but i do think that we're like it's like dissolved too like the number two. Okay. I think, I think, you know, because, because believe it or not, there's other bands called Dissolve. I yeah. mean, you, I, I, you, you really think you, a name like Dissolve, it's so unbelievably original, yeah. you know, that no, <laughs> nobody would have it, you know, but yeah. there, there are many apparently. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, some of them are pretty good. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I, I've always kind of dreamed of having like a Dissolve show where yeah. it's just like, where it's all the Dissolves, you yeah. know, that would be- like that. Yeah. <laughs> But I I don't know how we'd be able to do it. One's from Italy, one's from Russia, one's one's from England. So you know the and uh, but 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 I believe it's dissolved too. You'll 
you, you'll know. I, I think you'll be able to figure it out. I mean, we we probably have the most stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and there's like a little bio, you know. Yeah. So if you did a search for Dissolve and you see a bunch of guys that look old in the picture, that's, that's us. Well, here's the nice thing about being on the Be Here Now Network is there are some wonderful folks that work uh, on these podcasts and do show uh-huh. recaps and notes. So listeners, by the time this airs, you're simply going to be able to scroll down and this link that we are not exactly sure the address of. <laughs> I know it exists because I was just looking at it the other day. Uh, it's so rad, too. <laughs> yes, yes, one of those lovely people at the Be Here Now Network will be kind enough to find it, and you'll scroll down and find the link to it so you can simply click on that, and that will bring you to Dissolve's Bandcamp page where you can hear the evolution of their music. You can just hear the incredible just beast that Dissolve is. And lastly, Paul... Uh, the new record called Until the Drugs Wear Off. I know you've been waiting on an exact date. Are you still waiting on that date? Is there a tentative timeline that you're hoping for or still not sure? Well, I think from what I've heard, um, it's going to be like about four to six weeks after we get the test pressing. We haven't gotten the test pressing yet. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm hoping maybe November. Cool. You know, maybe, yeah, something like that. So uh, that's, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that'll tie in great with this because there's a few episodes in queue before you. So this will probably be airing right around that time. So, well, great. Paul, thank you, man, for on a personal level and just on an everyday level. Thanks for being a good fucking human being, being in an incredible band and uh, taking the time to have this conversation with me. It's much appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. All right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.